Hi, I'm Deirdre Veldon and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. As the world fights against coronavirus, an environmental crisis simmers on in the background. We're facing a man-made disaster of global scale. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How is it that this, this intellectual species is busily destroying its only home? Scientists have warned that climate change is not just an environmental crisis, but a health crisis also. As human activity continues to destroy natural habitats, nearly a million species are on the brink of extinction. But how is this loss of biodiversity linked to the spread of disease? Jane Stout is a professor in Trinity College, Dublin. She explains how the origins of coronavirus lie in human interference with our natural world. So uh, as an ecologist, you know, I, I spend my time studying interactions uh, between organisms in the environment and, you know, the, 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 um, the things that we do as humans that affect those interactions and how those interactions affect us. Um, and, and as an ecologist, you know, I, I know that disease is, is a natural part of, of nature. And as we as humans destroy more nature, we become closer to the wild animals from, from which these, these diseases come. Um, and, and so, yes, our process of destroying nature is part of what has contributed to uh, the, the outbreak of this virus. And so are you surprised then by this outbreak? Uh, no, not particularly. I mean, as it, it's been predicted for, for a long time. As I say, you know, disease is, is part of nature. Populations of, of, of wild organisms are naturally regulated by disease. And, and when you get lots of individuals of the same species living closely with one another, then disease spreads more easily. And as you get um, organisms moving over large distances, then those disease uh, spread and travel. And so the uh, the outbreak of this disease or, or, or any sort of pandemic outbreak has been predicted by, by scientists, by governments, by, by novelists, you know, for, for, for decades. Um, so as, you know, as, as, as we as, as humanity destroy more nature and interact more closely with wildlife um, through that nature destruction, but also through trade um, and, you know, with, with the, the wildlife trade that was going on in the markets, then this exposure, I suppose, is, is kind of inevitable. So how does that work? What's your understanding of the origin of coronavirus? Well, I'm not, I'm not a disease expert, I'm going to say that first, but um, lots of viruses um, occur in animals that are able to infect humans, and these are called zoonotic diseases. And there are lots of different kinds of zoonotic diseases and lots of different kinds of coronaviruses, in fact. And COVID-19 was caused by a novel coronavirus, a SARS-type uh, coronavirus, that was first identified in Wuhan in China in December 2019. And genetically, it's very similar to other viruses that have been found in bats. And so that's why bats are suspected uh, as the origins uh, of this particular novel coronavirus. And there's also been suggestions that pangolins could be an intermediate host because they have also been shown to contain similar viruses. But to be honest, as far as, as my understanding of it is, is that it's not definitive. You know, we don't know exactly what the origin was or exactly what happened. This is all based on understanding of the, the genetics, the genome of these viruses, looking at the ones that have been isolated from humans and comparing them with ones from bats and from pangolins. And you know, there are, there are, there are very 
uh, specific laws and regulations over the trade of wild animals. Um, and, and they're there for a reason. They're there to protect the wild animals, um, but also obviously to, to protect us. We hear a lot, Jane, about the climate change crisis, but maybe not so much about a biodiversity crisis. Can you explain the difference between the two? Climate change is relatively straightforward. I mean, most people don't actually even know what the word biodiversity means. It's, it's the variety of life, the variety of, of different genes within a species, of different species on the planet and of different habitats on the planet as well. So it's a very complex um, it's a complex term. And also, you know, when we think about nature, we've got millions of interconnected species that we don't know nearly enough about. And if we don't know about what they do or their roles, then we don't know what happens when we lose them. And in fact, you know, most species we, we simply don't know a lot about. So last year, the first global assessment of biodiversity was published. Um, and that, you know, is a pretty grim reading. 75% of habitats on land have been modified by humans, two thirds of habitats uh, in the marine, and a million species are at risk of extinction. And, and this is the first time that this was really, you know, that this, this was the first assessment, the first time that all the science was brought together. And people just, you know, generally don't see this loss of biodiversity. You know, you still go outside, there's still trees, you still hear birds singing, but this destruction of biodiversity is happening. It's just happening kind of slowly. And, you know, you talk to people and they say, yeah, sure, we don't see so many butterflies around as we used to. Um, this, this kind of slow destruction of nature is happening all around us and it's happening very dramatically in some parts of the world. Um, and I think we, we're sort of, we're shifting our baseline of what's normal. And so people say, oh, you yeah, know, back in the day, there was this, that and the other. And, and you know, that looks a bit like rose tinted spectacles looking back to, you know, the glory days of, uh, of the past. But it, it's true, you know, the, the, the nature is being degraded all around us. It's, it's such a big and complex issue. It's, it's hard for us all to get our heads around. Um, but with every species that, that heads for extinction, a bit more of the complex web of life is lost, which is both inherently sad, but it's also destroying our life support system. So nature gives us uh, food and water and shelter. You know, it gives us um, uh, protection against climate, against, you know, disasters like floods and um, provides us with, you know, soil and pollinators and all those, all those things that we need for our crops to grow. And it also provides us for an awful lot of mental and physical well-being, cultural, spiritual benefits. So, you know, there's an awful lot that we rely on in nature that is being slowly eroded. And I think you know, people are starting to understand that now. And I think it's really important they do. And, and the, the, the climate change um, crisis has been recognised globally and everybody is, you know, starting to take action. Um, and that's on the back of several global assessments of climate. We've just had our first global assessment of biodiversity. So I think it's, you know, we're really sort of waking up to the fact that climate crisis, biodiversity crisis, that they're, they're two sides of the same coin. Um, and they both need addressing because they they both have a uh, a potentially big impact on us. Uh, and, and like I say, you know, biodiversity it's, it's our life support system. So it goes, you know, we're in trouble. So why is a lack of diversity such a big problem, and how does that aid the spread of disease? Diversity is really important at all levels um, in in nature and and you know. At a, in evolutionary terms, if you don't have any genetic diversity in a population, it can't respond to changes. So, you know, if, if we have climate change and there's no 
um, genetic variation within a population, that population can't adapt to changing conditions. So diversity is an important part of, of, of life progressing um, in, in a sort of theoretical uh, way. Um, but it's also really important in ecosystems for making ecosystems resilient and that they can then bounce back from disturbances, you know, like the fires and the floods that we've seen recently as a result of, of uh, climate change and extreme weather events. Ecosystems are more able to bounce back if they're more diverse, i.e. if they contain more species uh, and, and, and more diversity of habitats. So that's why diversity in nature is important for us. Um, in terms of um, diversity and, and protecting us against disease, you know, some of these zoonotic diseases, if, if, if we've lost all the, the wild animals, then there's nowhere else for the diseases to go other than us. You know, so having that diversity there means that, um, that the diseases aren't, aren't as likely to be passed to, to humans, in, you know, in some cases for some of these zoonotic diseases. So... What changes do you think need to take place, Jane, to stop this from happening again? Um, I think we need to be better prepared. Um, you know, I mean, think, as I said earlier, the, the um, notion that there may be some kind of uh, pandemic, that, that a virus that would, would, would um, you know, cause global disruption, you know, this, this, this isn't a new idea. It's, you know, it's something that we should have been better prepared for. But we can also learn some lessons. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, looking at, trade in wild animals you know it's not just a bad idea from the point of view of um, threatening those those wild animals and you know these pangolins they're one of the rarest mammals in the world you know so trading them is contributing to their extinction you know i think that the pandemics taught us something about how we how we should treat the world uh, and, and the fact that nature can bring us to our knees you know this 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 disease it's it's, it's natural it's part of nature it's, it's it's brought the whole planet to its knees um, but nature is also our life support system we need it for food for water for shelter for all those things that come from nature and we can't continue to destroy it and i think the other thing that we've we've learned through this pandemic is that unpopular policies can be implemented for the benefit of our health um, and this is something that's always uh, been difficult in terms of, you know, the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis. Some of the changes that need to be implemented are going to be really unpopular. But it, that's what needs to be done to address a crisis. And the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis are as much a humanitarian and a health crisis as a, a pandemic disease. So I think we can, we can learn something from how we've responded to uh, this disease and, and, and the actions we've taken and you know we've seen these incredible rapid responses and these incredibly um, humane responses from, from across the world and, and we need to learn something about that in, in terms of how we um, treat nature and how we think about our response to, to the biodiversity crisis and the climate crisis because you know, climate change and, and biodiversity loss will kill people as well um, it's just maybe going to be less tangible than being able to diagnose a death from a disease. So I think we can learn a lot from the way we've responded and, and, and just be better prepared and, and, and act before we get to that, you know, urgent crisis point. Perhaps we're already there, you know, but, but to, 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 to act and not to, to sit back and not to um, be complacent. We've seen how easy it is to affect behavioural change in, in the midst of a crisis, Jane. But if we revert to, you know, our previous behaviours uh, in many areas, is this just the start of many more pandemics for us? 
potentially. And I think, you know, the point is that we, business as usual isn't really an option in terms of climate or biodiversity crisis. 2020 was supposed to be, you know, this super year for the environment with, with biodiversity summits and climate summits and new targets to, to, to get us to a better place in the next 10 years. In, in all of these um, reports and, and in the, the global assessment of biodiversity last year, that you know, one of the conclusions was we need transformative change. There needs to be a new normal, uh, you know, with better inter international cooperation, with coherent incentives and holistic decision making. Um, and, and business as usual isn't an option. And it's, it's you know, I don't know what's going to happen when we go back to normal at the end of, uh, you know, the, the end of this crisis whenever that may be, um, but we've got the opportunity to make some changes for, for our societies, for our health uh, and for our environment. And I, I think that that's really crucial. Ironically, coronavirus is having something of a, a positive effect, as you say, on the environment, you know, with less burning of fossil fuels and industry out of operation and less consumption generally. How can we use this to best affect when the crisis abates? I don't know. And I think maybe, you know, just some of those really powerful images um, that we've seen, you know, the, 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 um, the cities with no air pollution, where you can see the beautiful blue skies, um, the maps from, from the industrial areas, images from, from space where you can see the pollution, that, you know, was there and, and then gone during the crisis. You know, these kind of images and these stories are really powerful. And I think maybe people by, by spending uh, more time, a lot of people, you know, those of us who are lucky enough to, to have a garden, we're spending more time outside, looking at nature, connecting with nature, noticing the seasons, thinking about growing our own veggies, you know, those kind of things. I think, you know, that there are changes um, that we can make. Um, you know, we've, we've realised we don't, we don't need to travel so much. We don't need to, um, you know, we can, we can have lots of meetings over remote uh, resources. You know, hopefully there can be some behaviour change that we, we, can, we can learn from this situation. Thanks very much, Shane. In the coming weeks, we plan to run episodes in which our experts deal with your queries and questions about coronavirus and the current situation. Send your queries in audio file or text format by email to coronavirus at irishtimes.com. My thanks to Suzanne Brennan, who produced today's podcast. And thanks for listening. Stay up to date with the latest developments at irishtimes.com. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>